Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. God is good. Um, I've got uh, uh, something I want to share today. I wanted to encourage us all. And uh, the word, the title of my message is weakness. Don't you just love that word? Weakness. When you hear it, it's just like, we cringe, right? We're like, and it has so many, like when we we say weakness, it's just so many things that we associate with that, right? We, We associate, of course, you know, someone who's less than who they are supposed to be. Um, weaknesses, you know, um, something that's depleted. And, you know, when we look at it in terms of um, society and where things are going, there are a lot of weaknesses being revealed, right? And these things can be scary. And, but in God's book and in God's kingdom, the upside-down kingdom, I call it, weakness is actually an opportunity. Weakness is God, you know, he's not afraid of weakness. And as the believer, this is our greatest opportunity. A lot of people are like so afraid, you know, we got to buckle down, we got to hide, we got to, it's like, no, let's open the Bible. Let's look what, what God says about weakness because he sees it in a completely different light than we see it. And so let's look at it. We'll start out with some verses. I've got lots of Bible here today. This is my Bible. I don't like to carry it around, so I just print off my scriptures that I'm going to do and then read them off. But uh, we're going to look at the, the Word of God because the Bible is, has endured much longer than me. The Word of God stands, and the Bible says it'll stand when everything else fails When everything else ends, the Word of God will stand forever. So, how many want to build their life on this instead of what they say? We don't need to, you know, whatever they say is great sometimes, but this is always good. And in Psalms 103, the whole Psalm 103 is an awesome uh, psalm, but we're going to just read from verses 8 to 18. I love this. The Lord is compassionate, and he's merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us. If you are hearing voices that are accusing you, there is only one voice that is doing that, and that's the devil. God never accuses you. That is the enemy of your life and of my life. And he hates you, and he hates me. And he accuses. But it says here that God will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us, as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Amen? How far is that? It's unending. It just, you can't, either way, it's like you won't find them. They're gone. And it says here, um, 
The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. And then it says, for he knows how weak we are. He already knows it. We always put our best foot forward, right? We come and we look our best and we're always like, that's the way we live. We want to show our best. We don't want anyone to come to our house when it looks rumpy-dumpy. Right? We don't want anyone over when it's like, I actually lived my life in my house, and oh no, everyone's going to see it. It's like, we don't want to show weakness. We are always wanting to put this best foot forward, but God knows, and he looks at us, warts and all and he sees every part and he sees every weakness and when he called you and when he called me he factored that in <laughs> i'm like i several times let god know like are you sure you want me to be a pastor i'm the probably most unqualified person but he factored all that in He knows my weakness. He knows your weakness. And he says here, he knows how weak we are, and he remembers we are only dust. So let's get over ourselves. We're dust, okay? When it comes to Hollywood and they glamorize and everyone, you know, the fame and everyone, and it's, you know, you've got these people and everyone idolizes them and they're looking at them like, you're so amazing. No, you're airbrushed. You're, you're, everyone's only got the peak and highlights of your life, but you're a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy dust at best. But you're dust. We're all dust. And it says here that, um, and not only that, he says here, um, he says our days on the earth are like grass, like wildflowers, we bloom and die. Well, we bloom, and then we die. Because in the, in the space of eternity, that's what it is. Like, for us, life seems like a long span. But in, through eternity, God's like, it's just like a little fire shoots up. That's your life. And it's, it's gone. As though we had never been here. But, I love this, but the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. This is where God is, loves generational. It says his salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant. So you know what? It gets hard sometimes, and sometimes I'm like, oh, you know. But I'm like, I have to remember a generational God, and as I faithfully love God, he continues to love my children and my grandchildren and show his faithfulness because I chose to fear him and honor him and love him. Even if I get the poop end of the stick from life. Because sometimes you do. Not everyone, we're like, oh, you know, we've got this North American gospel, but I've got brothers and sisters. I hear stories. I'm not living in this Christian bubble here. Our, our, our Iran and all of these ones that are paying a dear price for their life. For the sake of the gospel, to stand for what is right. Their reward is great. 
And it, whether it's costly, however it comes out, the main thing is we remain faithful to him. We fear him and we love him. And it says here, faithful to those who are, to his children, to those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commands. Amen? So how do we obey his commands? We open up the book and we look at what they are. We don't just in our head, oh yeah, I just love God. How? How do you love God? Well, I just, you know, smile, love people, give lots of hugs. No. How do you love him? There are ways we do that in the way we live. Do you know that your life is worship? This, we're up here singing, that's one aspect of worship. But my life is worship. How I treat people is worship to God. Or it's grieving to God. If I'm harsh and mean and, and do things that dishonor his creation. But if I love people, if I tell the truth to people, that's worship to God. Not in your life becomes worship. When I work and do my job well, as unto the Lord, I'm worshiping him. Amen? Well, I didn't get a big amen for that one. I mean, even if your boss isn't the best boss in the world, right? And God loves to take weakness and make something out of it. God thrives in taking the things that the world despises. And we're going to look at this in 2 Corinthians. It says here in 2 Corinthians, we're going to go uh, start at verse 1. It says, this boasting will do no good, but I must... Um, so Paul here... Uh, wait, I think I've got the wrong one. Gotta... Sorry. It's 1 Corinthians 1, 24. Sorry, Aaron. Got out of order here. It says, but those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. I love this. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. So, in other words, God on a really dumb day is still way smarter than the smartest person in the whole wide world. Like, on his down day, when he's, like, got brain fog or whatever, it's like he's still wiser than anyone else. He is super, super smart. How many, when, when you're like, it's like everything connects and everything goes together, and you're like, wow. And you knew it was only God. It's like, you know, you need to tell him, like, God, you're really, really smart. Thank you. Kind of, you know, acknowledge that he is wise. He is wiser. And it says here, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. So on God's down day where he's maybe not as strong as he should be, he's still way stronger than any human, than all of humanity together and combined. We need to remember this. Sometimes we're coming to him and it's like, oh, God, could you just do this? Uh, yeah, he's like super strong. He can do anything, right? And so it says here, um, he says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Let's go back and remember. Because we forget, especially when we've walked with God, 
we start seeing what he's done. We're living in this confidence. We're living in this strength. We're living in this peace and this joy. We're going from glory to glory. And we, we tend to, and then we see someone that's struggling and we're like, you know, I can't be bothered with you. You forget where you came from. I'm like, oh, I can't be bothered. I live in my, my bubble of strength and peace and joy and awesomeness. You don't destroy it. It's like, no. It says here that let's remember, not all of us, we didn't really come to God when we were top drawer. We didn't. And he says here, um, instead, he says, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are powerful and, or, or uh, that they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. So in other words, he's actually looking for weakness. He's actually looking for those things that aren't strong. I remember when I first came into Barrie, I was complaining about certain things in the city. I'm like, why is this problem here? Why is this going on? This? And God's like, well, that's why you're here. Like, you can pray into these things. You can, you can be seeing what God can do in this situation. And so many times we're looking at these things like it's a problem. Or when something comes in, it's like this, this great weakness comes. or this, And it's like God's like, great. This is what I can use. I'll take what the world despises. I, I heard one preacher say, he says, when you take someone that nobody wants, God will give you the person that everybody wants. He'll make them into the person that everybody wants. Because when God takes something and lifts it up, it becomes something way more than anyone would have ever expected. And so one of the things we've got to begin to train ourselves to do is not be afraid of weakness, not be afraid of problems, look at all of those things and say, you know what? This is something God can work with. Because that's what the Bible says. And it says here, he chose things that are powerless, to shame those things that are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, as a result of this, and this is why I love how God does this, it's because he doesn't want anyone to get credit for it. He wants the credit. And when he takes situations that are absolutely impossible and we begin to allow him to, to come in in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the weakness, but we give it to him, he can turn it around to where people will look and say, how did that ever change? And you're like, it says here, as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Jesus Christ. For your benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. And it says here, Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy 
and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if we want to boast, we boast only about the Lord. We boast only about what he has done. And let's not forget what he has done. I've seen people, they get successful and even financially get successful and they forget where they came from. And they forgot that God brought them to that place. And they begin to get stingy. And they begin to, you know, you get this worldly mindset. And it's like, no, we're blessed to be a blessing. Freely we have received, freely we give. And we don't want to clog that up, right? We want to live a life of giving in every area. Because I love what one person said. He says, God will get it to you if he can get it through you. And it's like we've got to be willing to be that conduit, that vessel that God can flow through in everything. But a lot of times we have things in life and we're like, uh, no, I'm only going to go so far in that. No, no. God went all the way with you. Don't just do something for God. Do anything for God. A lot of times we just want to do something. And God's like, no, I want you to do anything for me. Right? And he, that's the way he is. And, you know, in, um, and he takes ones that nobody would have thought of. In Hebrews 11, I'm just going to take a portion here from the, the Hall of uh, Faith. And in Hebrews 11:32, it says, How much more do I need to say? Because he had already talked about Abraham and Noah and all these different ones. And then he says, It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Sounds like a pretty boring life, eh? <laughs> when, I, when I hear Christians say I'm bored, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I want to slap you. In fact, if I could, I would. You should not ever say that because you don't know God. You don't. You have limited God. You have put him in a little box and you have limited him because a life with God and with faith will never, ever, ever. There's no lid I'm, you know, retirement. Yeah, we, you know, we're looking at things where, obviously, you know, I'm not retiring tomorrow, but I'm, I'm not ever retiring. If I slow down, I will give in another way. You know, you, you get older, you got wisdom, you can pray. You know, you've got all this time as you retire. I, see these people, they're like, I, I retired. It's like, you've got the greatest opportunity to, to pray things in. Like never before, you've got more wisdom than you've ever had in your life, or should, if you've walked with God. That needs to be given away. Yeah, you're not going to run the marathon. No, you're not. Get the little young bucks to do that. But give them a little wisdom along, along the way. Speak into their lives. Give them a little pat here and there. It's like, smarten up. This is going to happen to you. Why? Been there, done that, got all 12 t-shirts and all the bumper stickers. And it's like, no, we can, we can give that away. We don't ever have to stop. It's like, that's, that's just, that's hell. 
retire. And do what? Our life needs to be spilled out until we die. It's a blade of grass. It's a flower that goes up and then dies. You don't live dead for years and years and years. Be the flower as long as you can. Be the flower and then bloom. Be that one that blooms for a long time. And then he says here, I love this. It says, their weakness was turned to strength. Oh, it's verse um, 34 in Hebrews 11. You can put it up there. Their weakness was turned to strength. See, that's why we don't have to have a problem with weakness. Because God can turn it to strength. That's why we don't have to be afraid of weakness. Because God can turn it to strength. Amen? And it says here, um, they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. That's just some of the things that we can do with God. And it's awesome. Now, God gave us a kind of faith and a kind of a prayer faith that we need to have. And the Bible says in the last days, this is what he's looking for. And I want to challenge us with this. I'm challenging myself with this because I'm finding that it's the thing that I fight the most. It's this this. Um, I don't want to call it despondency because it's not being despondent. It's you, you push for a while, you push for a while, then nothing happens. And you're like, and it's like, God is constant. And sometimes things that we want from God, it sounds like he's not listening because we haven't seen it right away. And again, we have to put it in the perspective of we're living in that very small time frame. We think all these years is very long, but it's not. And sometimes God and some things, he, take, he just takes a very long time in our timetable. But he does it. He does it. And some things, it's like, it, it's hard when you when you've, you know, Grabbed a hold of that promise. Grabbed a hold of that promise. Grabbed a hold of that promise. And, and it's like nothing happened. It's nothing. Or it doesn't look like anything is happening. Because we know God is always working. And we, those of us that have served him long enough know where it's taken a long time. But we've seen where he's been working. And he was working all the way through. But we just didn't know it. He gave us a little glimpse and showed us, you know, after the fact, many times. Unfortunately, he doesn't... He, it's on a need-to-know basis that he tells us certain things. How many know, if you had known of COVID and all it was going to bring, half of you would have moved <laughs> to another country, right? Like, there's, there's lots of things we would have done if we knew what was 
coming or what was, you know, there's just, we take the path of least resistance. We look at, you know, where is, what's going to have the least amount of effect for me and my little bubble and my perfect world, right? And God's like, no, we're going to mess this up a little bit and mess this up a little bit. Why? Because life's messy. It keeps it exciting. Now, I'm not talking about you going and messing things up by just being a dork, okay? Because, like, we can do that too. And it's like, oh, my life's all messed up. It's like, yeah, you're messing it up. Like, stop. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, there's things that life just brings. You didn't ask for it, and it just came. And it's like, okay, we got to deal with this. We got to deal with this. We got to deal with this. All of those things, what do we do with them? Well, he gives us a perspective that I believe, I know has been very helpful for me, and I, and I hope it's helpful for you, especially um, with God. One thing he put on me with, with being in the city, and again, this is where I'm thinking he's making a huge mistake, but he doesn't think so. It's leading in prayer in the city with the city pastors and, and leading all kinds of prayer things. Like, prayer's not my favorite. It's just not my favorite. Like, if I'm going to pick something that I can lead and do, it's like, mm, that's not the one. But it's what is needed. And this has helped me to give the right perspective and understanding. And so we're going to look at this in um, Luke 18. Jesus uh, gives this account. And he says here, one day, it says, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and what? Never give up. Okay, so that's the first thing that we have to realize is people give up on prayer. If, if, if there's anything, people will make an excuse to not go to is the prayer meeting. Right? Why? Because we've given up on it. If we're honest. Because if we truly believed that prayer had the ability to change anything. We wouldn't, we wouldn't miss the opportunities. Especially to pray with the family of God. And to pray together. And to join together. And to pray to, and, and unite in prayer. Because that prayer of agreement is powerful. But it says here. He says, so he, so he gave this so that they would always pray and never give up. He says, there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. How many would want to ditch the judge? Let's pick a different judge, right? Just like some of us want to pick a different leader for our nation. And we feel like we're up against a, we're contending, we're like not being heard, you know, all of these things. Well, this is what, this is the judge that she was going to. So it says here, so this guy neither feared God nor cared about people. Now there's a widow. Okay. We have to understand Hebrew culture and understand that this is a Jewish book. In that culture, in that time, if you were a woman and you were widowed, you were extremely vulnerable because you were to be cared for by your husband and cared for in, and, and that was 
you are not the one out there, you know, like we have in our society where the woman stands on her own. No, you were, you were protected. You were cared for. And so when you were widowed, you were extremely vulnerable and weak. And we, oh, we don't like that. It's like, God's saying, look, that's what you're like. That's, that's the, the parallel is it's like an unjust judge who's not listening to you and a very, very weak person who is extremely vulnerable. He's laying the framework here for the foundation for faith. You're not going to like it. Okay? <laughs> you might like the end result because she gets it. But what you have to do to get that end result, we don't like. Because half the time we don't want to pray because it feels impossible, because we feel like our prayers are bouncing off the wall, because we feel like God's deaf and he's not hearing in that area anymore. And he is like that unjust judge. He's ignoring you. No one's felt like that? Okay, thank you, Carrie. <laughs> no one's felt like that? Yeah. That is a very real feeling that we all deal with. And Jesus is nailing it. He's saying here, look, guys, this is what it's like. Yeah, you are that vulnerable, weak widow. And you are approaching this judge. So what does she do? It says, a widow in that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. In other words, avenge me of my adversary. Bring justice into this situation. Do what is right in this situation. The judge ignored her for a while. Ignored her. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. We got to get some crazy. We got to start getting some crazy. And this. Oh, God, ever do it? Oh, he knows. And you. You share your sob stories with each other. Oh, yeah. And this happened. And this never happened in my life. And this never happened. You're back and forth. And you're petting weakness with each other. And it's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, no. Get crazy. Start petitioning. Start grabbing hold of the promise saying, no. No, God, you can do this. So what if it's not happening yet? This is the promise. This is the story I'm sticking to. How many have promises from God? You know and you know her. Okay, I'm not talking about this flighty little, you know, thing that just kind of drifts here and there. There are promises that are like inside you, and it's like your heart aches because it's not happening. You, you can't, it bugs you all the time because you're like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Avenge me of my adversary. Bring justice into this situation. How long? 
forever. We don't stop. We don't stop. Now, he says for a while. His for a while can be a long time sometimes. But in the span of a life, that is like a flower that gets up, withers, and dies. It's not that long. But for us, from our perspective, it's long. Amen? Well, not amen. I mean, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is so be it, but it's not like a rah-rah amen. It's like, yeah. Ouch. <laughs> so I love this. It says here, I'm going. This woman's driving me crazy. So he says, I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Constant. Constant requests. I'm not hearing that. I hear oh, whatever. Uh, you settle. You just settle. Yeah. You just keep looking at the mountain. You keep looking at the problem. You keep looking at the weakness. And we all do it. The fingers pointing back here at me. I am not champion, constant, crazy request person. We need each other to spur one another on to do that. Amen? I know we got a bunch of glory girls that pray together, and they spur one another on. You get the glory girls together, and they start, we had that with some of the kids, and there were situations, and it was like they just got together. We're like, nothing is enough with this. And they just started going in there, and bang, bang, one by one. So one of those kids and those situations started changing. Why? Because of that constant request. Constant standing on the promise of God. Because faith is what will win the battle. And that's just where Jesus was going. He says here, then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't think God, don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? He says, I tell you, he will grant justice to them and quickly. And this, I love this. It says, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith like this? Will he find? And this is when he comes back. How many know we're the closest? You're looking at me thinking, oh, no, he was talking. No, no, we are the closest to him coming back. Is he finding this kind of faith? Is he finding it? We need to ask ourselves, am I that? Am I that one that is constantly contending? Am I that one? Oh, yes, I do it quietly in my own little private life. Yeah, no, no. You got to, like, shout it out to the judge and get a little crazy about it. Okay? You can't just keep this to yourself. This, is, this, this woman was like, she was bold with her faith. You know, there, yes, there is a, a quiet confidence many times, but there comes a time when you have to shout it out. You have to 
contend with an enemy who hates you and who wants to bulldoze you over. And you've got to shout back. Sometimes we're too nice to him and what he brings. And we got to be a little more mean with the devil, not people. Right? <laughs> not the people, with the enemy that's behind that situation. So how many want Jesus to find that kind of faith in you? comes back. That's what I, what I keep my eyes on, and that's what I continually I put before myself when, when it gets hard in those times, when I, when I don't want to pray. It's like, no, Jesus, this is what you're looking for. I feel weak. I feel like I, I'm, I'm the most disqualified. Guess what? That's exactly how that widow felt. Anyone would have listened to her, or no one would have listened to her, because the widow was considered, you didn't own property, you didn't have any type of, you were like, you had to be cared for. You were like, you were a weight on society. You weren't like this powerful force to be reckoned with. No, you were the one that was like, oh, do I have to listen to her? That's what she was up against. And she just bulldozed in there. I was like, no, this is what I'm going to get. This is what I'm going to get. And you don't have to be big. You can be bold and strong in the Lord. So, weakness. Let's look at the weakness in our lives. And I, I've got the com communion. Did everyone get communion? Because we're going to partake of communion. We're going to do the bit of an exchange. I always see um, just the gospel. Salvation is an exchange. We give him our sin. He gives us righteousness. We give him our weakness. He gives us strength. We give him our sickness. He gives us his health and life and healing. It's always an exchange. Because, you know, some people hold on to things. They hold on to their sickness. They hold on to their sin. They don't make the exchange. But today you can make the exchange. And, and, and in life we pick up things, and sometimes we just need to make an exchange. So if anyone didn't get communion, sorry, um, just put up your hand. And um, did everyone get one? You've got the little... Uh, you're, you're laughing. Are we good? Oh, okay, Andrew's getting one. <sighs> so you, the top thing comes off. There's a little wafer in it. They're kind of a little complicated to open, but... Yes, the Lunchable Communion, we're going to have it. <laughs> but I want us to... If, if Aaron, if we could put that uh, Dapper Keys on there. Um... I want us to take weakness in whatever form that it is in front of us right now. Um, some of us, it is, you know, with what we're facing with the uncertainty that's coming ahead. Um, there's all kinds of things there. And we have to be able to look at that with the eyes that God sees it as. And that he can turn weakness to strength. And he can do something in that that we don't see or we don't know. He is going to take something that everyone says nothing could happen there, and he can create something. And it's like, God, I want to be 
a part of that. I want to be whatever part that is in there. It, that's where it starts. And just like that widow, you might feel like you're very small, you're very vulnerable, you're the least one to be picked or even considered or listened to, and you've got to grab a hold of those promises that God has given you, and you've got to grab a hold of them by faith and contend again. If you've stopped, say, God, I, want, I need your spirit to begin to renew in me. You know, it says, I've got a scripture here in, in Romans 8. It says in Romans 8, 26 and 27, it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our, again, weaknesses. So he's looking for the weak areas. That's where he wants to help us. He says, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. How many are in situations where you don't know what to pray? You've, you've run out of prayers or your prayers aren't working. It's like I prayed this prayer and it's like it's not working. I prayed it and prayed it and prayed it. And it's like and there's times that you might not be praying the prayer of faith in that situation. You need to look at the scriptures. But there are times if it's standing on a promise, it's just you have to contend with that promise. And, and so what you need in that is, then it says here, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So that's when we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. And if you don't have that gift, you can have that. It's for every person who receives Jesus. If you want that, he gives you that, that supernatural ability and that, that baptism so that you can pray this heavenly language that your brain doesn't know, but your spirit, the Bible says, is talking directly to God. And it says here that when we pray that way, it says here that the spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And it says, and the father who knows all hearts knows what the spirit is saying. For the spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. So there's times and situations where you get to the end of what you can pray and you pray and begin to pray in the spirit and you pray in the spirit over that situation. And the Holy Spirit begins to give you things that you don't know, but the Father knows exactly what you're praying into that situation. And sometimes he drops it into your understanding and you're like, wow, I didn't know this is what I need to pray. Or you begin to see something that you never saw before. And that's how the Holy Spirit helps us to be able to pray. And that's what gives us the ability to be able to pray when we've given up on praying. Because we hit walls sometimes. But the Holy Spirit comes in and he gives us boldness where boldness is needed. And he gives us a, a, a ability to see things that we couldn't see with our natural eyes or understand with our natural understanding. Some of you are looking at me like, uh true it's true and the work of what god wants to do starts with prayer um i can't remember who it was that said this but he said the battle is won in the air before it's won on the ground it's won in in the air through prayer before we ever win it on the ground and we we have to always understand that that's where the battle is. And win it there. 
and we're trying to do all this. There's a lot of busyness and a lot of activity, but it doesn't mean it's productive. Sometimes we just get busy because we feel like we want to be productive, but we're maybe not busy doing the right thing. We are not praying enough as a church in North America. We're not. Because if we were, we would have more power. Because the place of prayer is the place of power. We need more prayer in the body of Christ. One thing you're not going to ever be accused of when you go to heaven is that you prayed too much. No one will get to heaven and realize, oh, I prayed too much. <laughs> it's not going to happen for anyone. Prayer is powerful. Jesus said, this is the thing I'm looking for when I come back. He was looking for this kind of faith. And so, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you, you when you came, you gave your life, and you gave your life while we were yet sinners. You died for us. You paid the price in full. You went full steam ahead and you never, ever flinched back. We thank you, Jesus, that you contended to the end. And even now, the one thing that you continue to do in heaven that you did on earth is pray. You are forever at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for each one of us. So, Jesus, we ask that you would give us that same spirit that you would give us that same heart to understand that the place of power is the place of prayer. That's the place where you will work and move in ways that we have not ever seen before. And so, Jesus, we ask that today as we partake of this communion, like you gave your life, we, we lay down our life for more of you that we would not just do something for you, but we'd be willing to do anything for you, that you would begin to work in our hearts in a new and a greater way where we've put a lid on you or said we're only going to go so far. We ask that you would remove those barriers. You would break those walls down where we've given up and where maybe hopelessness has come in. We thank you for renewed faith and renewed hope that can only come by you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.